listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Okay, welcome to episode number 62 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Chris Silverthorne. Chris is the head coach of the Ontario Blues in Canada and has held that position for eight years now. He is also the head coach of one of Major League Rugby's newest franchises, the Ontario Arrows. Along with these roles, he has been involved with the Canadian senior men's team, Canada A, Canada U17 and U19, as well as some age-grade representative coaching in Ontario. It's a pleasure to have him on the show, so welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, no worries. Um, so what's a, what's a bit of your backstory about how you got into rugby uh, initially? I think like like most Canadians, I didn't get exposed to rugby till high school. Yeah, um, we we had a new teacher just joined named uh, Bentley Larson who just graduated from McMaster University. He was a center for Ontario, and he kind of brought brought the rugby to my high school. Yeah, cool. And I actually didn't play in grade nine because I thought it was crazy, <laughs> you know, like uh, played football and basketball, everything else, and hockey, and and did. But then grade ten, he, he got me out, and I fell in love with it ever since. So, yeah, uh, and that's kind of just just play just kept playing it, and then. I got fortunate enough when grade my grade eleven year to play for Ontario U U seventeen and then that kicked off that whole rap uh rap rugby. So it was good. Yeah. And it's a, and like you say, it is a common story, eh, in Canada that um yeah. most most kids I, I remember one year in my high school we had some some grade seven kids come through and three had already played rugby and it was like everyone was uh pretty blown away by that <laughs> but yeah. usually you're getting even with my high school team the senior team you're getting guys who you know a third of your team have never actually played before and um, obviously yeah. one of the challenges that uh, we face in Canada yeah I totally I went, what, funny one of my first coaching jobs I coached the college team in Lindsay uh, Suzanne Fleming College is not a very not a very dominant rugby program so I go to the meeting the very first day of uh, of the kind of the, the organization of it, and it was thirty five kids in the room, and one kid had played rugby. This is a college, <laughs> so yeah. But we did win. We did win two games that year, so it was a success. So yeah, and it's great. They probably <laughs> wasn't too bunch bad. Of, bunch of guys got hooked on it, and you know, probably kept playing afterwards. And so yeah, yeah. It, it just what you define success as is uh, pretty pretty fluid in those situations. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And what about coaching? How how did you originally get into coaching, and, and and what did some of your earlier kind of experiences look like? Uh, you know what? I I got in for because of health reasons. I uh, was, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at the age of nineteen. Okay. So I just finished playing for Ontario U19s and uh, was long listed for Canada U19s, and then uh, came home that year, and I actually was going to go to Concordia University to play football. Right. And uh, saw something wasn't right and went to the doctors, and sure enough, I had rheumatoid arthritis. So right. that kind of ended my uh, playing career uh, for football and, and rugby. Mm. And my club, Lindsay, had been so supportive of me and just helped me out all the way. I, I felt guilty. Mm. I kind of just like uh, these guys had invested a lot into me, and guys had given me money to go away to travel. And so I just got into helping the club and started teaching. And then about 19 years ago, I became the first YDO in, uh, for, uh, for uh, Rugby Ontario, which right. was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And so I did, did that for about three, three or four years. And then about two years after that, I got named assistant coach with Paul Connolly for the Ontario U18s. Right. So 
that's kind of where we are. So that's kind of how I got started. Yeah. And what, what about, uh, what about some of those first sessions? Uh, what were, what were some of the big learnings that you, you took away from those experiences? Well, actually I learned so much from, from Paul Conley, just his energy and mm-hmm. his organization and how he did things and his focus on skill and just, just the energy he brought to it was just, uh, and I just kind of stuck with him for the longest time, just learning so much and, uh, on just basic, basic general rugby kind of knowledge and, on attack and defense. Cause I was, as a player, you kind of just focus on what you're focused on. I didn't see big picture mm. and it really helped me see big picture stuff. So obviously my first, uh, I was, I was, I was a forwards guy. So kind of really focused on the forwards elements and ball carrying and, and, uh, on how to, how to rock and, and, and ball presentation and that kind of stuff was my first kind of focus. What he had me work on, which I did, mm. I really kind of dug, dug into that area and then kind of expanded to the line outs and malls and, a bit of scrummaging and that kind of stuff, but uh, it was pretty grassroots and basic when I, when I was, when I was first started coaching. So I'm sure yeah. I made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we all did for sure. And uh, yeah, I've met, I've met Paul a bunch of times and uh, definitely uh, enthusiasm is something he doesn't lack. No, it must be uh, pretty infectious being around him uh, coaching. Yeah, definitely. We spent over 10, 10 over 10, 10 years together. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he would bring me in and I'd bring him into something. We just mm. kind of worked together for, the longest time and really played off each other and you know really i really learned a lot off them yeah great awesome fantastic so yeah all right and so so you're like i said in the intro you're the head coach of the ontario blues a dominant program in the canadian regional uh championship or canadian rugby championship it's it's been running since 2009 and uh for those for listeners outside of canada there's there's four regions who compete for the mactia cup um what uh, what what's a bit of a summary for that? Like you're you've been in there probably the longest as any coach. Um, what what's what's a bit of a summary of the tournament and how has it evolved over the years? I actually started in year two. I missed the first year. I wasn't part of the staff. Les Gilson was the head coach. Okay, and he brought he brought me in as a forwards coach on year two, and so I kind of joined it that joined it that way, and it was a pretty senior group. Uh, Les was around for one year, and then a guy named Rob Rob Doyle. He became the head coach in year three. I was a forwards coach with him. And then Rob left to go down to the States with his wife for their job. And then I took over the head coaching job. But uh, the CRC really started out under Crowley when he was the head coach. Just mm-hmm. It was too big of a gap. They, they did an assessment. It was just too big of a gap between club rugby and international rugby. So this yeah. is what they created was the CRC, uh, breaking it off into four teams to compete. Um, and it's seen many looks over the years. That's been one of the issues with it is it, it's it always changing. Um and I'm not sure for the better sometimes mm-hmm. it's just kind of the, because of the size of the country and the cost of travel, it's been a really hard struggle to keep this thing going. But, um, but the rugby has been good. The players, they all played and have really enjoyed it. And they always say, we, we, we just want more games and that's yeah. where we need to get to. We just need more games of that caliber. Cause when you have the top hundred, hundred play every weekend, it can only get better for the country. And that's yeah. what we're lacking is, is getting the best games possible for these guys. Yeah, like I was going to jump into that uh, a little later, but while we're on it, what, so you know, you've been around it for for as long as anyone. What do you think in terms of developing national players? Obviously, um, more exposure to high quality games is is clearly what what, what we need in Canada. Um, have you do you see any kind of windows of opportunity there that maybe we're we're not tapping into that we could be to to expand our uh, our our players experience to those, those tough matches before they get right into the heat of battle for national representation. Yeah. I, I think we, we need to kind of really focus on 
that group that's missing. So if you look at the group that's missing for me, for my, for my background experience, we're missing that kind of the, the all the players that graduate from the U 20 program from Canada mm-hmm. don't always make it to the CRC. Mm-hmm. And that's, we've got to see 80, 90% of that level. It's got to, it's got to bridge over to, to the senior level and we're missing that group. So mm-hmm. the CRC needs to become that pathway into that. So those players can't disappear. Yeah. You know, some of them will with their injuries and wherever else, but we need to see a greater success rate from the players that graduate from the U2-20 Canada program into a senior representative level of the CRC. Then hopefully from there they emerge. Just too many times where we're relying on older players and not giving these young guys a chance and they need to play. So yeah. that's, that's for me, that's one of the biggest things I see that we need. And we've been Ontario really have pushed that. Mm. Um, we've had some players like Brett Bukaboom, Tita, Taylor Paris, Ferguson, Andrew Ferguson, Lucas Rumble, Tyler Ardrum, Mitch Richardson, Matt Tierney, Will Kelly have all jumped right from the right from U twenties into into the into the blues and played. So that's been a real goal. Maybe they weren't ready, but we made sure that they were surrounded by the right players yeah. so they they could succeed. So that was one of the things that we I really focused on and we as the staff focused on was making sure that these talented kids were given that opportunity to play. And not kind of pushed aside to the bench and, and didn't play. So yeah. that was big for us. So, so are you like thinking like a, a second tournament for like uh, under twenty three, or are you saying there should be a cap? I those kind think, of players. I or? think I think the CRC in the future will need to go to a to a, a fully under twenty three. Yeah, yeah. With 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 the with, with the with the foundation of the arrows now, and that level, mm. I think we need to focus on the at under twenty three level for Canada and turn the CRC into an under 23 level with maybe an exception with tight five mm-hmm. yep. with some props and some locks that might need a bit more maturing, yeah. which would be, which would be okay. Yeah. But I think, I think basically from the tight five back, um, they should be, they should be under 23s and just let them play. Yeah. And yeah. really, I think getting the coaching and put them in an environment. It's one of the things with the blues way, why we've been successful. And so we've actually tried to run a fulsome program. Mm. we have played more games than anyone com- you know, combined. Mm. You know, we've had a four or five game preseason every year mm. where it's been, to, we went to South America. We've been all over the States playing. If there's a game, we'll go there and play it. And, you know, uh, hats off to Mark Winnicker and rugby Ontario board for mm. trying to scrape straight through the money to, to get to this, to run this program. But that's been one of the successes and why our yeah. players aren't necessarily better. We've had more experience and been in a program where they could develop and play. That be better rugby, so yeah, it makes such a huge difference. And yeah, I'll, do, I'll just backtrack again to the CLC U23. I think uh, my my personal opinion is I I think the hanging fruit of Canadian rugby is the universities, and I could see yep. that U23 evolution fit really nicely into into university rugby. Which you know, let's be honest, like there's there's a couple hundred uh, men, a couple hundred women playing rugby over Canada in university setups where they're getting good strength and conditioning they're getting good coaching they're a, they're a you know a, a, a group that's they're there for three four years and to link that i think with a u23 crc model would be would be ideal do you think do you see collaboration with the two being a, a good idea oh absolutely i think you hit it, hit it right on i think right now the university is probably the closest we have to into a professional academy environment mm-hmm you know, Absolutely. outside of the karting program, which is which is which is the best twenty players or whatever it is, whatever it is out there now thirty, mm-hmm. which is great, but we need that hundred underneath or two hundred bubbling 
and developing. You know, I think we just need the biggest thing I think is just the standard of coaching that university needs to be a bit more consistent mm-hmm. and, and really run that fulsome program that, that some are running UBC, UVic, mm-hmm. Queens, Guelph, Mac, uh, Concordia are trying, you know, are, are starting to just to show some real, real development in the future, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. We, we need more of that. You know, I know in Ontario, just speaking from Ontario perspective, I think we'd like to see the six top row. We can get six teams firing at a real development level. Mm-hmm. Then you'll see some real, real growth. All right, cool. Well, you, you mentioned some of the uh, recipes for success of Ontario was the, uh, you know, the the extended preseason that you have, getting those games under the belt, getting getting exposed to you know quality opposition before the actual tournament starts. What what do, what do you think is some of the other reasons? Like the, Ontario has won six championships out of the uh, since two thousand and nine, uh, easily the the most successful team in in the CRC. What do you what are some of the other reasons behind that success? Do you feel? So the first thing has been the culture. The yeah. guys want to be there. Yeah. And it's not just a part. It's just not, it's just not there to, to be there. They're there because they want to be there and they want to be better. Mm-hmm. They want to make everyone else better. And we had the right mix. We had the right mix of the young guys that I mentioned before with the, with some of the older guys, like Derek Daypuck and the Pletch brothers, Scotty Dunham, Dougie Woolridge. Mm-hmm. All those guys really let us as a staff really create that culture of, of of just you need to work your your rear end off to be here and every practice, you know, we needed to push each other and just the, as, as most of the guys would tell you, they just loved going to blues practice because they didn't get that anywhere else. They didn't get that structure at club where it was competitive and they could really push each other mm. to be better. Mm. So, I mean, we think a guy like Alistair Clark who really developed the system. Dan Moore was with us for three years before he even saw, saw a game. You know, he just was as raw talent as could be, and now he's got a pro contract in, yeah. in England, and, and that has been capped. But him, three years, you know, he was three years just at practice and just just working his rear end off, being at the gym, you know, and taking advantage of everything again and, and development, and, and he just leaps and bounds yeah. from, from where he started from. So that's where we really have been have been successful. Awesome. And, um, you know, the, the club rugby scene is very strong looking across – the country of Canada, Ontario Club Rugby and BC Rugby is the the strongest two provinces. Uh, there must be some good relationships there between uh, the the Blues and and local clubs as well. Uh, it, it is, but it's come it's it, it gets in kind of waves. Mm. Sometimes they're not happy with us. Sometimes they aren't happy with us. It's just <laughs> obviously you know there's some definite issues there with ownership mm. kind of thing. Like yeah. well, they want their players to play on Saturday, and yeah. and you know and they're not they're not wrong. Yeah, but at the same time, you got to ask the player where he wants to play. Oh, exactly. Uh, like we've had a we've had a saying kind of in our program with the Blues and now with the Arrows is every player's goal is to play in the best possible game on a Saturday. Mm. Wherever that is, if we can be part of the best game on a Saturday, then we're doing right by the other players. Yeah, and that's what that's what the clubs kind of have been struggling. To, some clubs have been struggling to deal with. But if it is a CRC game, that's probably the best game in the country th- this weekend. And it's better than than playing in a club a club game, yeah. and it's just hard because the clubs the clubs you know develop these guys or bring these guys in, and and they, they want to win, they, you know, and mm. they want to have fun and they want to play, but at the same time it should be a bit of a pride thing. Like I'm from a very small club in Lindsay, and Doug uh, Woolridge and Brett Bukaboom and Rob Brower have all kind of graduated from our program, and uh, but Doug hasn't played for our club in probably 15 years, like 12, 15 years, like he hasn't played since he was probably 20 years old. But the pride in our club is that when Doug Woolridge was at the World Cup, Lindsay Rugby Club was still his club of choice that he listed, even though he was 
He's played for, C- for CEIW West for the last numerous years. Lindsay's still his club. And that's, that's where the pride, I think, needs to take over yeah. and be part of where you, where you came from. Yeah, oh, mate, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Like being being a club coach uh, for a long time myself, uh, if I, if I lose a player for representative duties, I'm you know I'm making a big announcement of practice. I'm giving him a high five and I'm saying good luck to you. And I'm yep. also seeing a chance for a younger guy to get in into first grade and to have a crack. You know, so I think it's a mindset thing there. Like the coaches need to see that that's. The, the net benefit of having of you actually losing someone over a, a term of you know months or years uh, it's huge for your club you you just get another chance to develop another person and and that guy's not going to go and disappear he's going to come back and be part of the club and and be an influence around the club like you said uh, I, I think it's win-win personally like uh, a great great example here is is really success breeds success, and mm. so the Walmy Beach and, our, and in the Blues heyday, when I think we won about three or four in a row there, we went on a streak of winning about nine, eight, 17, 18 games in a row. The one weekend we picked seven beach guys to play one game for the Blues, mm. and it was one of those McCormick Cup kind of quarterfinals games, and right. I was kind of felt guilty. I was like, oh crap, you know, that's a lot of players, mm. but they still won. Mm. They still want a court with their seven best players playing representative rugby. Oh. I think it does it, it success does, does breed success, and that's something the clubs need to really jump on too. That if you're producing seven rep players for for one game, that's pretty good, yeah. and you should really pat yourself on the back because yeah. you're doing something right in your club. Yeah, good for them. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned Lindsay there. Lindsay's a one of those spots. It's a real hot spot, eh, for for Canadian players. There's a lot of national players have come out of Lindsay. What what's in the water there? Do you feel? Well, it all goes back to, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Jones brothers. No, no. But uh, Vince, Vince Jones and George Jones. George, right. uh, they both started the, the uh, Brantford Harlequins. Okay, yep. Which is one of the first clubs in, uh, in, in Ontario. Right. Uh, but, but between Vince and George, they started 10% of the clubs in Ontario. Right. So That's awesome. Vince was, um, <laughs> Legends. Vince was an OPP officer, and yep. every time he got promoted, he got moved and started a new started club. Started a new club. What a legend. That's awesome. He started a new club, and Lindsay was his last one. Oh, wow. And his pride and joy. And then, Lindsay, it, it became the summer thing to do. It's yeah. uh, very much a small town in Ontario where you play hockey. Yeah. All winter long. Mm. Uh, you play golf in the summer. Yeah. And you also became, you should have played rugby. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, and like little things like a Bukaboom name. Obviously, a Bukaboom mm. name is very popular in hockey, and Jeff Bukaboom, which is the uncle of of uh, Brett and Matt. Yeah. Uh, the family came out and said, you know what? Our kids are going to play rugby in the summer and not going to play summer hockey or lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Or, and that was big in our community. And just so, you know, every every athlete in town plays rugby, That's to be right. honest with you. There's two high schools. There's three high schools now, but when I was there in the heyday, it was two, two high schools. And both high school programs were top-notch, so. It's fantastic. And it really just cricket. Yep, yeah. it was fantastic. That's great. All right, as as I mentioned in the in the intro, you're you're the head coach of the newest MLR franchise, the Ontario Arrows. Um, that's you. You guys must be fizzing about that. It's a, it's really exciting uh, times in North American rugby, and now that now that there's a Canadian uh, franchise entering uh, next season, that's that's more the better. What, what's a bit of backstory about the franchise uh, coming about and, you know, the, the last, you know, 18 months of, of the prep going into um, the, the the exception into uh, MLR? Well, it all started, to be honest with you, with, uh, with, 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 with uh, one game. So the yeah. uh, with Glendale Raptors coming up to play the Blues yeah. last spring, mm-hmm. 
I guess two, two springs ago now, and uh, they had not lost a game in about, about two years, two and a half years. They lost the game, and so we really hyped it. We kind of set our whole preseason around it. Went to New York before, really set that let's let's put ourselves against the best team in America and see what happens with this. So we really we had a great prep, probably about best prep of my whole time that I was in the Blues, mm. um, and we absolutely smashed them. Yeah, we uh, and we beat them, I think, by twenty five points. And uh, it was a gentleman there watching the game named Bill Webb. Yep. He's a Rugby Canada board member. Yeah. Um, uh, former Brantford Harlequin. And he just kind of tapped Mark, uh, Mark, Mark Winokur in, in the shoulder after the game, after the game. And he said, uh, is this the best that they have? And this whole thing kind of understand the MLR thing. And, and, uh, he says, here's my number. Call me on Tuesday. And here we are now. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. it just started. It literally started from that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's grown. Last year we did that that spring season where we did the test test season, mm-hmm. and I believe it's a total of six investors now. Um, I'm not sure who all they all are. They're not really out in the public yet, mm-hmm. but uh, and uh, we're on the verge of announcing that we are in the MLR next year. So not nothing actually is announced yet. Okay, right. Yeah, yet. My apologies. So no, it, it it is it's been leaked out, but mm-hmm. nothing like we don't we haven't picked our staff yet, so um, we're not sure exactly who who's going to be leading the charge. I am going to be involved. Mark Winokur is going to be involved. Right. Um, but we are here, and it's going to be a real kind of a real kind of function of the CRC development into this MLR team. Yeah. So that is the goal. Yeah, great. Okay, so yeah, you mentioned you mentioned that the you, you've had you've had two exhibition seasons so far, and prepping for like like you corrected me on. Uh, uh, hopeful entry into the MLR. What, what's been yep. some of the challenges over over that time? Because um, I've you know when you when you when you're not a fully fledged team and you're you're bringing players in, there's a bit of turnover. There's you know a large playing group. Um, what what have been some of the challenges with with that, and and how have you adapted around them? The biggest thing for us was really to take what we've kind of the fundamental focus we've had in the Blues program and seeing if it works by adding in pieces. Mm. So the spring season was strictly research and development. We wanted to see, do we have 30 players that could play at this level? Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried to pick as many games as we possibly can on, on a limited budget. Obviously, it wasn't, a limited, wasn't an unlimited budget. So we needed to be kind of careful of that to have these games work to be competitive. And we were mainly Ontario bringing in pieces here and pieces there. And with Kingsley Jones just coming into town, and the involvement of the karting program again, it was kind of hard because he was trying to test out with something. So mm. we really didn't want to we didn't want to disrupt the the players out there. We wanted mm-hmm. to let them do things. So which wasn't the original plan. We were trying. We thought we'd be able to pick more from the whole country, but it, it actually worked out quite well for us to give us guys the players. And we just realized that we can compete um, with with everything we have in the, in the CRC. There is enough talent, and uh, so the main focus when. Bill Webb and we and Mark and myself sat down that this was going to be a Canadian focused team. Mm. This this is here to turn Canadian players into professional rugby players. This isn't to bring people in from overseas to see, you know, what kind of stars we can bring in or whatever. This really is to give the opportunity for grassroots Canadian players to play rugby at the highest level in North America. Um, and that's really the, the main that's that is the mission statement. That is the goal, that is the vision statement, whatever you want to call it is really to bring professional rugby to Canadian players. So here we are. Yeah, well when yeah, and just doing a bit of research for for this interview, I I looked at, you know, some past rosters and that 
that was the one thing that jumped out at me and I, you know, I love it. I think it's, I think it's so important to have, you know, that next step up from CRC for Canadian rugby and, and just looking at the roster, every, every, uh, every name had a Canadian flag except maybe one or two. And I, I just think that's, uh, that's so important. And, you know, it's, you've got to be able to build something off that in terms of, defining the team and the style of play you want to you want to put on the field for for spectators and and something to be proud of is that is that a, a driving um, you know mechanism to to the team culture as you move forward oh it has to be yeah mm. it is it's a Canadian first policy we need to make ourselves better but we also need to sell ourselves so we we really hope that that the whole country and especially the, the, the people in Toronto can support this team uh, come out, buy tickets, and, and really get behind it. Because if this doesn't succeed, I'm not sure what's next for for this uh, for our, our development in Canada. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's we've been given an opportunity here. We need to run with it, and we have enough talent. What we have, what, what our advantage is over the teams in the MLR is we have a depth. Mm. We have actually a development system that, that, that is lacking for these clubs, um, like even Glendale, which is probably the flagship state, but don't have that junior youth development that mm-hmm. we do from mm-hmm. all these, you know, with the Ontario system at U19, U18, U17, BC, Alberta, Quebec, you know, the Atlantic rock regions all have that. And there's good yeah. players on every team. You don't have to be in Ontario for BC no. to be a good player at 18. Yeah. You know, we need to, the, the goal of the year was really is to make sure that no player gets missed at that age group, that they do get put into a system and that we can develop it. So we really need to focus on where we're going to where we're going to see the next level. Because to me, for us to succeed, the players are 17 years old right now. We need to we need to identify the top the top 10 players at U17 right now. The top 10 players at U18. Top 10 players at U16, and put in a mechanism to let them develop and, and really kind of form a culture of this is where I want to play and this is where I want to be and give them give them a goal. Because if there's no end goal to play pro rugby, why is anybody? You know, it's hard to get players to play rugby if there's not that end goal. Because t- t- the modern athlete today wants success. They want to play at the highest level. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I'm just going back on one thing you're saying there, we have the talent here. Like, I've been here in, uh, in Canada for 11 years, and I- I've been saying that from day one. Like, the, the raw materials for for good quality rugby players, they're absolutely here in Canada. And, and like you say, they're, yeah. they're across the country. They're not just in Ontario and BC. And, you know, you see it as soon as you coach a bunch of Canadian kids, they, they come to you and they say, oh, when do we start hitting? When do we start tackling? And they want that physicality and they, they want to they participate and perform. And uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. And going back to what I said before about aligning it with the universities, Trying to trying to remove constraints like pay to play from age grade uh, representative uh, duties, you know, in, increasing coach development. Um, they're they're all challenges that I think, with you know, a professional franchise involved, the, there's there's so much room for growth here. Absolutely, and in my experience, even that too is I was fortunate enough to select my early eight days of rep rugby, is to coach one of the millfield, a few of the the uh, millfield teams, so. At the age of 16, 17, mm. our athletes were better than England and France. Yeah. We beat France by 22 points one year. Um, this is at the Wellington Festival, right? Well, yeah, it was called Millfield back oh, then. Oh, right, Wellington. okay, right, right. It was, it was Millfield back then, mm-hmm. and it was we, we, we could physically handle, and we were better athletes than all of them because our kids played more sports. Mm. 
they played hockey, baseball, golf, volleyball, lacrosse. They played all these sports and they just figured they're, they're better athletes. Where we weren't better is, is nine and 10, mm. you know, Absolutely. and they could control yeah. the game. Yeah. They just could control the game. And that's where we did. But we were competitive. I mean, in my years there, we beat Scotland, we beat France, we beat Wales, Romania, U.S. The only team we didn't beat was England, and we should have beat them twice, mm-hmm. I think, just uh, just, just poor, poor, simple mistakes have made. But uh, we have the talent. We just need to find a way to develop it from that 17, 18 to senior men's. That's where we get lost. Yeah, I think we, it's developing and capturing those athletes to and, you know, going back to the university thing too, making men's rugby a, a CIS sport or a, a, a varsity sport uh, has to be a piece of the puzzle as well. Women's rugby is already a varsity sport. And, you know, look at look at what that's done to the, the national senior uh, women's team. They've had, you know, great success fourth and then second uh, in, the, in the last two World Cups. I think having men's varsity rugby is, is key. It is key, yeah, because it, it it just it just captures all of the athletes and all the players, mm-hmm. and you've got them for four years there. You've got them at the prime, at the free end for four years. And they don't they don't leave. Mm-hmm. They're right on campus. Yeah, it's perfect. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty passionate about this part. So this bit that yep. we're talking about. So I've got a, a bit to say. I usually let the guests do most of the talking, but I'm just thinking about the high school that I've been at. Uh, I've been at the same school for for this is my eleventh year at the high school I teach at. We've had no players come out of that high school who have played in the NHL, but we've had six players come out of that same high school that have played age-grade national rugby, and then there was one other who also played for the senior men's team. Absolutely. So it's it's there. It's like the the you know the the raw materials are there, just giving them that pathway and the the support uh, to to you know get those those athletes to find their natural progression into elite sport. Some will some will fade off, obviously, but we're, we're, we're missing chunks uh, on, in the pathway, and uh, I think I think this is, uh, you know, all things are pointing in a good direction right now if we can, um, you know, have success in in a, a professional level. Oh, definitely. And listen, going back to Lindsay, there's two main high schools that play rugby in Lindsay. One high school has produced three professional rugby players. Mm. They have not produced a professional hockey player in that same time. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And we're, and we're a hockey town. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Eh? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, where to now for for the Ontario Arrows? Uh, we have ha- we're at Halifax next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're playing the new the new Boston team. Right. I think they're called the Free Jacks. So we're okay. going to have a team. Uh, we're going to bring in a few a few new players, mm-hmm. some uh, Atlantic Rock guys that we yeah. haven't had a chance to look at yet. Awesome. Bring them in, give them an opportunity to play, and uh, it's kind of our last game before we kind of into the next season where we're playing in the full league. So right. it's a big game for us. Yeah. Uh, really giving these guys an opportunity to, uh, to, to be there and see how they do. Right. And is it, will that be streamed or will it, uh, Facebook? Live I believe it is streamed. I, I got, I'm not positive on that, but I believe it will be streamed. Okay. Great. The game's in Halifax neck on the 20th. Yeah. Oh, great, great city for, for rugby too. Halifax. It's uh, oh, yeah, Wanderers, Wanderers field. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Great. Oh, that'll be awesome. That'll be uh, another another step in the right direction. So that's exciting. Yeah, we played Glendale a few, few weeks ago, and that was a success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a pretty that was a pretty close team that we thought was one of the better teams that we could put out mm-hmm. from a Canadian first. Yeah. And I think we did quite well against a team that was probably one of the best teams in the MLR last year. Mm-hmm. They lost in the finals, but yeah. they were kind of the leaders of the pack the whole year round and just fell short in the final game. But uh, uh, we it was a pretty good test, and we 
we uh, put our hand up that we're that we think we're ready. And you you've got a relationship with York University, is that right? Yes, as of right now, that's where basically the home base is going to be. Right. Um, they are they are building a new the stadium that we have there. They're going to put a new field in. Okay. So I'm not sure if it's going to be ready for next season, but they're working on that. So it's a great it's a great facility. And then obviously because of the time of the year, we need to find a really good dome space to, yeah. to practice. Yeah. For the winter months, because yeah. the first game is January 26th next oh, year. Wow, so really. So we are. Um, we're going to be a full struggle to find a, a facility that, that can accommodate every, all our needs, mm. you know, yeah. from what we to, to be ready to play a full full game at, at uh, on January 26th. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, well, it's, that's exciting times, and you know, um, I, can, I can't wait to uh, keep track of uh, of the arrows and 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 you know follow their success. So, you know, congrats to you and all all the coaches and supporters involved. I think it's uh, really really exciting. Thank yeah, you. yeah, no worries. So, yeah, we always end the 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 interview with the same final four questions. When when you were a kid growing up, um, you know, introduced to rugby, who who were some of the the players that really stood out to you in that time? Well, obviously, as a Canadian first, I thought Danny Ball was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Just the 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 human torpedo throwing his body <laughs> everywhere and just a machine. Just his intensity is just the way he played the game was fantastic. Just. Style for me as a Canadian was like he he embodied what what a Canadian rugby player should look like yeah. and was and it was fantastic. Uh, but Keith Wood was my kind mm-hmm. of uh, hooker. Yeah, he looked like he had so much fun at their plan. Yeah, you know. And then watching them with the Lions years later, you're kind of like, this is the guy who this is what rugby's all about. Yeah, it's the guy who has fun up there and is great at it. Yeah. And had all skills for all players before yeah, the position. that was even a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he changed the position and. Uh, of of this is episode sixty one or sixty two. I think uh, you know anyone who's got a link to forwards, Keith Wood will often come up as as one of their favorite players back in the day. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, great. Yeah. What about now? Who are who are some of your your favorite? Yeah, it's got to be Kieran Kieran Reed. The yeah. guy does not make a mistake. Yeah. yeah, he just he fixes everyone else's mistakes, and mm. you know, obviously New Zealand is stacked, and their one to fifteen are fantastic. But here's a guy who is the glue. Yeah. And just he must be he's a coach's dream, isn't he? Just yeah. he makes coaches better because mm. he leads on the field, leads off the field, but it always shows up when a mistake happens to fix it. Yeah. And just he's been fantastic. He's been one of my favorite players for the last few years watching him play. It's just like when you're watching a Zoom game, I'm, I'm watching looking for number eight out there just to see where he is because he just appears yeah. in the right spot at the right time all the time. Yeah, he's definitely been the, the, the dominant Southern Hemisphere eight for sure, and you know some would argue uh, best in the world um, for for the last five years or, or even more. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. He's, uh, he's obviously as an Australian Wallabies fan, um, he's he's, he's uh, <laughs> done some damage to us in numerous games. But uh, yeah, well he, the background the background story is pretty good too. Pocock, yeah. uh, he's right there too though. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, totally agree. Cool. And uh, what about coaches? Who uh, who are some of the high profile coaches uh, around the world that you like what they're doing? Oh, I think I think yeah. Look at what New Zealand does in their development process. Just really has been phenomenal. Mm. On I think when you look at the, the international stuff, it's just they've set the, the standards. And you know the next five All Blacks coaches are already lined up. Yeah, how they do things there is just phenomenal, and they're just so far ahead of the game and their technology and how they see it and how they just they're always three steps ahead. Mm. And that's been just really something you always want to look at and see. And, and as much exposure to it you can. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be one of the number one exports is rugby coaches. 
Yeah, no, uh, yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of national but, coaches like, around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If you have, if you have, you've landed. Yes, I landed I here. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool. All right. And what what about uh, local local grassroots coaches that uh, you, you you feel deserve a shout out for the work they're doing in in your community? Oh, I think uh, my my current assistant coaches for the Blues, Aaron Carpenter mm-hmm. and Corey Hector. Yeah. Carps obviously needs no explanations. Mm-hmm. AD Cap Guy for Canada has really embraced the whole coaching philosophy thing, and I think uh, he's going to be definitely a keeper. And Corey Hector, who's the head coach at University of Guelph, mm-hmm. been around the been around the, the Blues program, Junior Blues program for a long time, is really uh, just just switched on. Yeah, and yeah. just lives lives and breathes it. I think both of these guys. You'll see them coaching Canada at some point, if not the arrows. Mm. And I think the arrows will be used. And I think you'll see the next Canadian coach of the national team will come out of the arrows. Uh, hopefully, the arrow system if everything goes right. Yeah, hopefully so. I think uh, I think it's time. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I've never met Aaron, but I've met Corey a few times, and he's definitely had success at, at Guelph. Uh, I think they won it uh, two years ago. Was it? He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a guy I'd love to have a chat on the pod. So, uh, cool. All right. Well, um, great great talking to you about about the Blues and, and you know, uh, the Arrows as well, which is, like I said, really exciting, exciting for, for, for players, for coaches, for fans of rugby in Canada. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. And um, just want to thank you for giving up your time, for coming on the show, and uh, all the all the best in the in the prep for for the the game in Nova Scotia and and what's to come for the Arrows. No problem. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. enjoyed the show please leave a review via itunes and keep listening for the next episode you can also follow us via twitter at rugby coaches cnr or via the website the rugby coaches until next time keep sharing ideas to make the game better